Back to Business is a podcast for livestock producers who are getting back to business after bushfires, flood and drought. From pastures and nutrition to the purchase of livestock, tune in each week for expert information to help rebuild resilient livestock businesses. On today's podcast, Sheep Connect New South Wales manager Megan Rogers explores the topic, what's possible now, personally and in a business sense, with consultant Alastair Rayner of Rayner Ag. I'm joined by Alastair Rayner from Rayner Ag, an agricultural consulting business servicing livestock and agricultural industries. Alastair spoke today at our Back to Business webinar all about what it is that we've got to do to get our our businesses back on track and back to business and specifically what's possible now. Alistair, thanks for catching up with me after our our webinar today. I think our our attendees enjoyed hearing, hearing the webinar and we had some good questions. So I really wanted to just have a bit of a chat with you now about you know, what is possible now as we face a, a getting back to business scenario from, from whichever manner of disasters that may, that may have been impacting on people? Where would you start as a livestock producer? Thanks, Megan. Look, I guess that, that I wanted to follow on today very much on, on a few things that I thought were really important that came out of my first presentation when we started the Back to Business ser- series, and that if we're going to go and, and operate our business, we need to start thinking about um, goals that are um, what I call the SMART goals. They're the specific goals that we have in mind for our program. They need to be measurable. They need to be achievable. They need to be realistic. And um, they need to be timely. And um, you know, that, that's, I guess, a little bit of a thing that I like to talk about a lot. But one of the things that um, I guess reinforces that when we start to look at what's been, I guess, the longer term economic trend across our red meat industries, both in the South, and when I say the South, you know, New South Wales, Victoria, Tasmania, South Australia and Southern West Australia, but also in the North, is that we've got a really good handle around um, the differentials that that we have between levels of, of profitability in our in our enterprises. And almost every study that I've seen conducted by MLA and by independent um, agri um, business um, research keeps coming back to that the the most profitable enterprises, so the top 20, top 25% of a business, their key focus is on what they can control. So there's a, a very clear a focal point for them to construct a program around the things that they can manage, the things they can control. And that's, a, I guess, a, a key telling point. And what I, I, you know, if you wanted to delve into that a little bit more, there's some very neat um, little parallels that come out of some work done by MLA in the cropping and livestock um, uh, worlds of Southern Australia. But the most profitable, the, the top 20% of, of producers that were studied in MLA's um, work, their, their primary focus was their variable costs, you know, the costs associated with actually running an enterprise. So by focusing on those things, they were actually able to ensure that they were, they were honing down on their um, ability to produce more per hectare 
than if they were getting caught up in um, their, worrying about their overhead costs or their finances or their labour or chasing, um, if you like, marginal profit returns by slight peaks or, or um, you know, lifts in the market. Because those are the things that we probably can't control at all. But variable costs, you can. And so when you compare those um, top producers against the 80% the, the, the of people who are also studied, the difference is that most um, of the less profitable enterprises, their fixation is on overheads and profit before variable costs. Your point reminds me, Alastair, of um, a few years ago, I read Glenn McGrath's autobiography and he talked a little bit about bowling balls and, and what made him a successful fast bowler. And he talked about controlling the controllables. You know, he couldn't control whether someone was going to take a catch, but he could control the way he delivered that ball. And I guess that's that's a really strong parallel that I see with with what we can do going forward in our agricultural businesses, that we can work out what it is that we can control and we can, you know, have a bit of a firm grip on you know, our variable costs and, and about how we sort of, you know, get back to business so that we're not, um, you know, distracted with the rainbows that we might be, you know, tempted to, to go looking for. We're really working working hard on the focus that what's making us the money and what's what's helping us keep our business flourishing going forward. Look, absolutely. It's a little bit like if, if you know, in some ways uh, it's a bit like a sporting analogy and, I um, for a long time was a competitive um, um, firefighter. So in our firefighting championships, which were all team-based, and the success of those events was based on you just focusing on your job. And if you didn't, if you were distracted by what other people were doing, what the, the rest of your team were doing, you'd invariably get yours wrong. And it'd be a washout or it'd be a poor time. And it's like the Glenn McGraw analogy. There is, you know, if you're focused on what you can control, then then things are much likely to go your way. And I think the other point that you that you picked on was the rainbows that people that the people chase. And mm. there's some interesting stuff that's come out of you know Holmes and Sackett and out of MLA and their Northern work. But again, I think um, it applies anywhere in the country. But the, the really effective and, and profitable businesses, they are business savvy. So they think differently and they think independently. So that's an important point because setting your goals, specific measurable goals, are, are those goals that are, are independent of what the neighbours or what everyone else is doing, but they're the ones that work for you and you can control them. By having that, you have much more of a business approach to your to your operation. They have plans and they continually stick to those plans and review them against, you know, the measurable outcomes towards those specific goals. And in terms of, I guess, your rainbow comment, I think one of the things is that the successful people actively seek new information, but they rationally assess it and then they apply what works from that information to benefit their business. And so this is the difference between a successful business operation and someone who chases from one trend to the next to the next, is that that they, by being so focused on these trends that are being driven by extraneous factors, 
they're never going to get close to, to achieving their goals. And the most, I guess, the last point, and I, I talk about this a lot, is those businesses that, that are successful get their simple things right. And by getting the simple things associated with an enterprise right, they can control their variable costs. They can control the amount of production per hectare and they then become more productive. So by focusing on those things and being, I guess, very conscious about those controllables, you then start to be able to have a, a much, much more savvy business. Yeah, um, and so just, just thinking a little bit about some of the people who are looking to get back to business following on from disaster, we're, we're quite likely to see a fair bit of depleted pasture. And I'm, I must say, I've been a bit surprised by how um, forgiving our countryside has been since it has started raining. But there might be some people whose pastures were burnt and, and they're, they're missing out on, on what they normally would have had as their feed base. Can you run us through a few key tips about how to evaluate what your feed base is without going into too much detail, because we will cover that in, in subsequent webinars, but how to, to match what you've got growing and, and what the seasonal variation might be in terms of, of how we can forecast how well our business will do. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's a really key point, Megan, in that um, livestock enterprises, regardless of whether we're a red meat production or we're a fleece production system or both, we are really driven by the intake of, of pasture feed and quality pasture feed. And if anything that we've learned from the drought is, is that let's not forget the importance of getting energy down our animals' throats to achieve an endpoint. And so we need to be, I think, realistic and honest about what's achievable in our environment and, and understand that properly. And a lot of people, I think, this simple thing again, do you actually consider or have you sat down to look at what your traditional feed curve looks like over a 12-month period? Where are those peaks and troughs within your system? Because the peaks are where you have the opportunity to really come in and try to use that excess feed, that, that rapidly growing feed of high quality to kick some, some big production goals. Whereas the troughs are much more likely to be those areas where animals will, will not perform or will require some additional input in terms of, of feeds and supplements to, to manage their way through those gaps. Once you get your head around that, and those feed curves are available Look, if you've done pro-graze or if you've done ever-graze or you've looked at making more from sheep or more beef from pastures or any of the, the, the products that we have, you will find those growth curves very easily for your environment, is to look at those and say, okay, I have two goals here. My short-term goal in terms of getting back to business is to generate some cash flow. My second goal longer term is to achieve a, a sustainable level of production where um, my variable inputs, particularly things like supplement feeds and so on, are not going to outweigh any production performances that I get. And so then you can start to look and choose enterprises that work for your environment and for your pasture base based on those two things, with that end point in mind of controlling your variable costs. And so I, I always say to people, what pastures do you have and how does it grow? Once you've done that, then you can start to do a couple of things. You can then realistically look to see what you would normally carry 
in your country and do a comparison of that based on your yeah the 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 DSE ratings for those particular units of animals that you that you choose to have or that you are contemplating having so when we think about DSEs, a lot of people, particularly in other states uh, in the north, don't use DSEs, they use other levels, but the concept is the same. We're effectively looking at the amount of feed required for a single animal to be maintained in an average state. So it's based on the level of feed required to maintain a 50 kilogram weather. So that's about 8.3 megajoules of energy uh, per day. And so we know that as a base, one weather is equivalent to one DSE. From there, we can actually start to look at some adjustments based on the size of our animals or the production category of our animals. So for people with smaller, finer fleece type animals that live up on the Northern Tablelands or the South Southern Tablelands, where sheep are a bit smaller than that, their DSEs can be adjusted downwards. Whereas the, um, you know, for a cattle person, their DSEs are always going to be bigger than that again. But what it means is that you can then have a base which says, if I ran 500 DSEs, for example, that's 500 weathers, or it might be in the case of um, a, a single, um, a, a year that produced a single lamb per year, per average at 50 kilos over that, over that 12 month period is 1.7. So instead of having 500 DSEs, um, you would actually say that 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 number of sheep um, is going to be about 295 ewes, I think. So you actually then have this straight out comparison in terms of that's the amount of feed that will be consumed by that group of, of ewes versus that number of weathers. So you've got a straight comparison based on hectares and feed consumed. So it doesn't really matter how many animals as, as much as it matters on your DSE ratings. Does that make sense, Megan? Yeah, it does. It's really important to think about that because we know, you know, getting our hands on livestock if, we, if we're faced with restocking is a little bit more challenging at the moment. There's a fairly substantial shortage out there. So understanding, you know, a, a, a good way of, of comparing different classes of livestock to give you some, some, you know, equal and relevant outputs based on a DSE rating is a really important part. What other parts of a, of a, um, other calculations and, and parts of a, an analysis are really important in helping us get back to business when we're trying to work out number one, if we are restocking, uh, what sort of livestock we can buy, um, or number two. Um, you know, how's our business going to go forward and, and what sort of productivity are we going to expect to get from that business? Yeah, okay, there's two parts to that question. I guess the first part is what sort of livestock are you going to buy? And that's going to be very much driven by your pasture growth curve and your, your property infrastructure, plus some other variables that you may not have control over. So, um, for example, predation or environment where there's ticks or something like that, or that are unsuited for particular enterprises. But elsewhere, it might just come down to what's available and can you run them? Because all things being equal, you could run sheep as easily as you could run cattle. So how do you to make the decision about what's gonna give you the best return for your dollar? The easiest way that I, I've come across to do those is to do a gross margin comparison. 
So gross margins are a fairly simple process that we use in, in evaluating businesses because they're focused entirely on the enterprise. So they really just look at the income associated with that particular enterprise, less the variable costs associated. So the, the variable costs, the ones that we want to control. So you're not concerned necessarily about your, your business um, fixed costs, take those all things away and you can just do the straight out comparison. So in the short term, if you had the opportunity to, to be able to carry sheep um, and trade some lambs or trade some cattle, what you might then look at and say, well, what's the stocking rate that I can carry, which gives you a number of, of animals. And then you have a DSE rating for those and you can compare the income on that um, less the variable costs associated with that particular enterprise, which will give you a gross margin per DSE. You can then directly compare it against a cattle enterprise or a breeding enterprise and say, well, over the short term period that I'm looking to grow these animals, this enterprise has a much greater return per DSE than the alternative, even taking into account my variable costs. And so this is you know, the, the choice that I will look to use um, to get myself generating a bit of a cash flow um, program. How, when when we're looking at at that gross margin, Alistair, we you're talking about drilling it down to the gross margin per DSE. Why do we want to do the DSE rather than the the gross margin per head or the gross margin per hectare? Um, I think I mean you can do per hectare in that quite often it's a fixed. You know, it's a fixed variable, not a fixed variable, it's a fixed number. You know, most people are not going to suddenly go and have an extra 500 hectares to play with, but we tend to leave it out um, and just work on the animal on a DSE rating because what we're trying to say is the equivalent, how much feed does it take to sustain that level of animals? And depending on our growth rates, which, which are reflective of the market that we might be pursuing or the environment in terms of our pastures that we have, um, we might end up with um, animals that have got a, a smaller DSE rating compared to, to others. And so what you actually end up, as, as I gave you that example earlier, you might have 500 weathers or 295 ewes and lambs. So the numbers are quite different, but the amount of feed that both of those animals consume or those, both of those enterprises consume is the same. So when you look at the profit, on that DSE basis, doesn't matter whether it was 295 lamb, 295 ewes and lambs, if their gross margin per DSE is $8 and 500 weathers the DSE is $10, you would choose the, the better DSE rating for you, you know, the better DSE return. Excellent. And so how, when we're using these sensitivity analysis, uh, sorry, these gross margins, a sensitivity analysis gives us a little bit more of an insight into what the impacts of some of the things that we may not be able to control are. How do, how do we interpret that? Yeah, look, when we used to produce these with New South Wales DPI, we used to put a little table in the bottom, which was a sensitivity, which said what the difference would be if you were to sell animals at five cents a kilo, 10 cents a kilo less or more um, from what you'd set in as a base. And it would tell you, I guess, very quickly looking at the table, how that might work. I um, I use an Excel spreadsheet which um, I've downloaded from the Department of New South Wales DPI and I tend to just, because it's an Excel sheet, I can have three pages open and I tend to look at the, if you like, the historical trend over the last um, 
month for those particular animals that we're looking to, to evaluate and work out if you like a low point, a potential high point, and, if, and again, an average. And put that in and both price for income versus costs, so to purchase in those animals if it was a getting yourself going for a quick cash flow. And what that lets you do is two things. First of all, it'll tell you if you like an upper level that you might spend on or a lower level. So you know if you like where your buying limits are. The other thing that you can do, particularly if you know things like your mortality rates or, or, or other things, is that you might go, well, look, I've, I bought 100 animals, but I generally lose you know, 2% to bloat. Where, you know, if you lost 2%, does that change the gross margin significantly versus what if I lost four animals? And where, you know, what's that magic sort of, if you like, tipping point that changes the gross margin from 15 bucks a DSE to, to a loss of $2 a DSE? And that then says, okay, that's a variable I need to control. I need to control my bloat problem. I need to control my clostridials. I need to be on top of this. And yes, it might actually increase my husbandry costs slightly, but that 20 cents a, an animal um, increase in terms of the DSE per hectare, the gross margin per, per DSE doesn't have a huge influence. But if I lost four, gee, it does. So you can build your own little sensitivities around that based on your own environment or your own experiences. And again, focusing on your variable costs. What can you control? What do you need to have um, to ensure that you get the levels of production to make that enterprise give you the return you need? And Alistair, just as we wrap up um, in the next few minutes, what sort of um, advice would you give to people who are a little bit unsure about how to use a gross margin analysis or, or even you know, if they're not sure where to start um, evaluating the pathway forward for them? Are there, are there some programs that people can uh, sign up to to, to get some information oh, in that Absolutely. I mean, one of the, the, the really exciting things at the moment with this Back to Business program with MLA and, and AWI, MLA has um, created the opportunity for producers, particularly the fire affected producers, to be able to register, to have three three days with a consultant who can be a consultant of their choice as long as they're registered with the program, but they can, or they'll be allocated to a consultant. And they can sit down and actually do those, those straight out analysis, um, go through and, and, and understand how to do, um, where their income comes from, where their variable costs are, and what other things they might need to consider and things that they can leave out. And once they do that, I think that most people then start to feel really straight, uh, really comfortable about starting to fill those out. There are people who've done that in the past and might have forgotten how, but if you were to download those farm forms from the DPI website, because it's a simple Excel sheet, it very, it's a very easy sheet to follow in terms of putting in the, the inputs for income and for variable costs based on your records for the past or what you assume to be uh, realistic um, for that particular enterprise. Alistair, just in, um, in wrapping up today, I, I wanted to, to thank you for, for your time taken to, to have a chat with me. Um, and I also wanted to hone in on the fact that, that there is help available there for, for people in getting back to business. 
and that the aim of, of the Back to Business program and its, and its different facets, be that the one-on-one -on -one consulting and the webinars and the podcasts is to assist people in that transition from, from the disaster that, that they may have experienced back to being, you know, a, a fully functioning, you know, productive business. And, you know, that takes many shapes and forms. And I guess, you know, the one of the things that I'd, I'd you know, like you to sort of, you know, share with us is, is um, your experience in, in how to uh, take that first step if you're not quite sure of where that first step is. Yeah, Megan, thanks. I guess that, that, that before I do that, there's one thing that, that I want to go back to. I, I said very much at the start, think about that business savvy approach that, that we talk about. This, the successful profitable producers actively seek new information and rationally assess it. So actively seeking new information is important. So these webinars, the podcasts, and again, when um, the, the COVID uh, restrictions are lifted and we do the, the workshop series, come to those and have the opportunity to, to be exposed to new ways of thinking and to think about what might actually apply within your business to help you control your variable costs. So to take that first step, obviously, if you're listening to this now, you're, you're aware of the, the webinar series or the podcast series, but I'd encourage anyone who wants um, to seek that additional advice or to try, if they're eligible, to send an email to um, the MLA's uh, Back to Business program. And you can find that if you type in the MLA website, Back to Business. And depending where you are in the country, you can be then directed to contact a um, coordinator who will put you in touch with a consultant who will take you through the steps to think about to get yourself going. And so those three initial sessions, you might want to do more and that might be an individual decision between you and your, your advisor. But for some people, getting the opportunity to, to see um, something from a different perspective and to come back and think about what's important for them, I think that is a really powerful option. And I'd encourage anyone to, to really look at that MLA site and send an email and, and register um, for the program so that you can get that independent assistance to get yourself going. Nothing like a fresh set of eyes to to look over, you know, what it is that you, you know, looking to do going forward. I, I certainly always think that a fresh set of eyes is, is very valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. Alistair, thanks for, for spending the time with us today. Um, and um, I know you're a busy person and you've you've got to hit the road. So um, I'll let you um, head off. But um, in these strange times that we've we've um, got happening, um, ordinarily we do a face-to-face -face podcast interview, but we're doing it online and um, yeah, trusting that the um, the ether looks after us. So Alistair, thanks for your time again this afternoon and um, yeah, look forward to catching up with you sometime soon. Thank you, Megan. See you later. Thanks for tuning in to the Back to Business podcast. You can register for upcoming webinars at sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com forward slash events or just subscribe to this podcast, which will be updated weekly. If you'd like to take the time to rate and review this podcast in iTunes, it'll help more producers like yourself discover this information. Back to Business is a partnership of Meat and Livestock Australia, Sheep Connect New South Wales, Australian Wool Innovation and Integrity Systems Company. 
The program is supported by the New South Wales DPI, New South Wales Local Land Services and New South Wales Farmers.